This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. They expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing. I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. No, you are not dreaming. Yes, you are hearing this right. This is Kieran Robertson hosting the podcast today. I'm here live with Finley Cannon and Jamie Castle. Gents, how are we getting on? Start with you, Finn. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, sort of reflected on the game on uh, Sunday and sort of got more to look ahead to now, so can't take too long on that one. Got to travel up to Liverpool on Wednesday. Jamie, what about you, son? How are you feeling post Man United? I think first of all, I'm a bit of one of those FM um, emotions, sort of feeling uncertain. Kieran Robertson, host of the podcast. You know, you know when they think the grass is always greener. Well, who knows? We'll find out what happens in the next forty-five minutes. Um, but no, um, sort sort of same emotions as before, really, with United. Um, just think about what could have been, and happy and proud, but also disappointed, and yeah, just gutted and. Just a whole host of emotions that this Premier League season continues to to provide us. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll dissect and, and talk through. Of course. And I mean, there's no better place to start, right? Right at the start, 2-0 down inside six minutes. Rasmus Hoyland thought he was getting the rubber green. Safe to say, that's probably our worst start to a game all season. But Jamie, start with Amari Bell. That mistake. Have you watched it back yet? Have you sort of seen... How it went down, I personally have not since yesterday. So, Finn, what about you? Have you seen it back? Yeah, I've seen it back a couple of times. Um, it is quite unlucky. Um, 
in the build-up, Barkley and I'm not sure who it was he collided with, but the ref sort of got in the way as well. Completely accidental. There's nothing he could do. Um, and then obviously the play moved on, so the ball was gone at that point. It looks like Bell's going to just get it back to the keeper and he just mishits it. So it was so unlucky as well. It, was no, it wasn't really any fault of his own. It was just really unfortunate that he caught it so, I guess he caught it so softly. And then he had um, Hoyland bearing down on goal as well. And when you put him through one-on-one one at the moment in his current form, I guess he was never really going to miss. I mean, we thought it had gone bad for worse as well. We look at the corner. They went 2-0 up from Garnacho's wayward shot that was 100% going wide of the target. And then it bounces off Hoyland, goes in for 2-0. Shouts for handball, shouts for offside. But ultimately, two goals down, six minutes in. Jamie, what was your emotions at that moment in time? Just a bit sick, I think, because um, you, you come into a game and ironically, I was chatting to my granddad before how there was feelings of um, nervousness ahead of Sheffield United, but there was none of that against Man United. I think you, there was almost a sense of anticipation of, come on then, let, let, let's really take it to them. Um, feeling really positive, like locks on Sky Sports, punditry duties and all this good feeling around that and and hearing from him and, and, and how he's doing and yes then to go one nil down from like that that Amari Bell mistake which is you sort of caught in two minds whether to pass it across to Osho or pass it back to, to the, the keeper it actually does neither of them and just passes it to Holland's feet and then the the image of my eyes going black because I put because I, I put my face in, in, in the palm of my hands just thinking for God's sake um and then the second one, she say, it's just a massive stroke of luck. Um, I didn't think it was offside or or handball. I think where we sat in that Kenny and Kieran sort of behind the goal, because we were on the right hand side. I saw, I think it was Barkley or someone in the six yard box, and then I saw Holland outside it, and I knew straight away that there was no chance of that being ruled out. It went straight off his chest as well, and just unfortunate that that TK sort of gets sold to the left, and then creates a gap on the right, and it just squirms in and then you're thinking oh, for God's sake and as as Edward says he's, he, he almost fears the worst as well right because at 2-0 you know I do have the quality that they can go on and, and make it free are we going to collapse um, but it's rare this season that, 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 we, that we have collapsed and, we, and we've not collapsed for a few months now I think the last time we collapsed was probably that I mean probably Chelsea to be fair which we, we bounced back from but before then it was probably the likes of Villa away so, so it's it's not often in terms of us collapsing into a three, four, five nil like Sheffield United have. I think they've let in five goals of each each of the last three home games, I and mean, we've not quite gone to that extent. So there is an element of um, feeling positive actually that we could probably go on and get one back, and who knows what what's going to happen. Um, but at, at two two nil down to to go two nil down the way we did with, with a mistake and a, and a massive stroke of luck, you just you just feel a bit sick. It's safe to say then that when Morris pulled one back, it came at the right time. I mean, it was only, what, 10 minutes after going 2-0 down. But it's safe to say, Finn, from that moment, and even before the goal, quite frankly, we asserted our dominance on United and we put them under pressure. I think Jamie used the word scared at the time and you could see heads were starting to go, yellow cards were getting brandished out. And we saw us take it to them. And again, it's nothing that we're not used to against these bigger teams, especially at home. Yeah, the momentum completely shifted. And it wasn't even the Morris goal that shifted it. It was just the general 
pattern of play in the game and the atmosphere in the ground. The United fans, fair play to them because they were brilliant all game. Uh, we've cr- I've criticised a lot of away fans we've had at Kenilworth Road, but they were probably the best of the big six fans, which I hate to say, but they were. Um, they were really, they really got going. They were making some noise, but then the atmosphere really picked up from the Luton fans. It lifted the players on the pitch. It seemed like, and then Morris's goal changed it all. Like the momentum completely shifted at that that point. It was a brave header from um, Morris because he had Anana. I'm not sure what Anana was doing really. He was sort of shaking his arms about, um, trying to make himself big. But Morris came and he headed it, the loose ball, and he scored it. And it changed. Yeah, the atmosphere just it just lifted it completely. But at that stage, it was a bit worrying because we were two 0 down so quickly. But you thought, oh, there's plenty of time now. We can really get back into this. And as you mentioned, the yellow card started to get brandished for United players. It was the, I think it was the directness of the way we were playing, running at players, forcing them to turn and uh, make challenges on the turn as well. It was causing them to concede a lot of fouls. Down the left, I thought Alfie was playing really well. It's probably his best game in a while, I would say. Um, the way he was really getting down that side, because Garnacho wasn't tracking him at all. Uh, he was just letting him run and run and run. And I think having Chong there helped as well, because Chong was making the lines runs across the line and inside, and it was just pulling Dallow around, so giving Alfie space down that side, and he was whipping balls in constantly. It was just a shame we didn't have um, Eli in there because he really could have got on the end of some of those crosses. Uh, Woodrow has got a lot of stick from a lot of people, but he put in a real shift against United. But he's not a um, Eli, not in terms of his stature, not in terms of his finishing, but he put in an effort. Yeah, I think the one thing that you can't take away from Woodrow, especially last, oh, especially last night, is more his work rate. Like I think technically he lacks ability in comparison to an Eli, and he's a lot less dynamic. Like with Eli, he's very unpredictable. We know what we're going to get from him, but the trouble is his opposition defenses don't. And I think that would have offered something incredibly difficult for United to deal with. I mean, they were struggling as it was coping with Morris and Woodrow. Woodrow does have great hold-up play, but I think technically he lacks a little bit. He's a little bit slower to react, but that's just the nature of what happens when the top striker and top goal scorer pulls up in the warm-up. I mean, speaking of game-changing moments, we've spoken of Morris and the goal. Potential game-changing moment that didn't go our way, Jamie. Let's look at the Casemiro tackle on Ross Barkley, Mr. Already on a yellow card, Mr. Accumulated four fouls already, and he sticks a two-footer in on Ross Barkley, and the look on his face, watching it back, was, I'm off here, and the ref took one look at him, and waved him away. Unbelievable at the time. Yeah, and I I think for me, what summarises the fact it should have been a red card for a second yellow is the fact that the excuse or the reason Rob Edwards gave in the post-match for the United bench not thinking that it was a penalty or a red card, sorry, was that because they thought the first one wasn't. The first one was as clear as day yellow card you'll ever see at that level. It, like Bell was running was running through, went past Casemiro and he just brought him down. And if you if the United bench are saying that, this, that it's not a red card because they thought the first one wasn't a yellow card. That is them saying, yes, yeah, that was probably a red card, wasn't it, lads? Um, so, yeah, I mean, a, a theme from yesterday. Um, lots have been said about David Coote before in terms of being a referee. He's 
I think for me, far and away the worst in the league. Um, despite all that we've seen at this level across refs, I think there's just someone that looks so out of place and so so looks like he's won, won, won some sort of award to be there or some charity fun day out to be there. It's just, um, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit bit hilarious really. I mean, it, it was a clear as day, second yellow. I think if, if I'm being honest, the first one probably should have been a second yellow because there was two or, two or three before that that she should have been the first yellow. Um, and there was other, other shouts throughout the game that, should have been. I mean, obviously, Maguire got booked, and I think that was probably fair. I think Shaw got booked. Um, there was probably one or two that that probably could have gone in the bit before. Um, but they just have the ability to hook Shaw, Maguire, and Casemiro for Lindelof, Evans, and McTominay, and get away with it. Um, so as much as you don't want to blame officials or or outcomes of of moments on on the loss. It certainly changes it because if United go down to ten, um, and let, let, let's not underestimate McTominay. Right, I think Casemiro probably is the slightly better player, but McTominay has come in clutch so often for them this season that that he scored big goals. I think he's he's actually a really good player, and that's coming from someone that follows England home and away, and that's me praising the Scott. Right, so um, it it shows how how highly I think of him as a player player at, at this level. Um, so to be able to bring on someone like a Scott McTominay to replace a Butch Casemiro, for them that just gives them that security, um, which is frustrating because they probably should shouldn't have been able to bring him on because they they would have had ten men. Um, but one of those things, big six club uh, bias, that little smirk that Edward said when um, he was asked about the four minutes added on in in the second half in terms of oh yeah it's because United were the two one up when it. Um, just add it to the, 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 the evidence book of, of this big six club bias that probably isn't isn't sort of folklore anymore or isn't sort of us us bottom fourteen clubs making it up. It's it's actually just true and it's been evidenced game game by game. To sort of track back a little bit to the second half of the game there, Finn. So continuing to dominate going into the second half despite their changes, I actually think the one change that was quite irritating to see was Johnny Evans came on for Maguire and I actually think he handled Morris really, really well. You had Morris in the first half who had Maguire looking like Bambi on ice. Then it's the second half and I don't think he was as fruitful. Again, 2-1 down at the break, still dominating the second half and obviously, as we know, we came away with nothing again. In terms of our attacking output, do you think there is something that needs to change or do you think there's something that is missing Oh, it's easy to sort of ask that question, obviously, with Eli out. But based off of sort of having a second option or a plan B, do you think that's something that we lack potentially up front? Um, well, I wouldn't expect it to be the case because we have changed from a three to a two up front this season. But it did seem we were sort of lacking a bit of ability to switch it up. Um, obviously, Clicker came on in the second half and he actually looked very good when he came on. He was sort of breaking through the lines and finding space like he um, does against some clubs. Um, but yeah, we did seem to lack of options. Um, Morris was Morris was really good all game. He was holding the ball up so well. He was uh, drawing players in, particularly in the first half. He had Maguire all over him, and he was just clever the way he drew him in, and then sort of stepped off him to draw him in and get the foul. Um, and especially the way he the way he won the um, the free kick and which resulted in the Maguire yellow card 
was was back to looking like the way he was playing, particularly in the second half of the championship last season, where he was doing a couple of step overs or shifting the ball and then going with it and forcing a defender to make a decision. And he looked really, he probably looked as up to speed as he's looked in any game in recent weeks. And that's saying a lot because he's been brilliant recently. But yeah, I do think we sort of lacked that alternative option in the second half. It was quite frustrating. I hoped that we would go to a three, a three up front with um, maybe Chong and Bene either side of Morris. Um, I thought bringing Kabore on was probably a good idea and having that option because Ogbeni was really struggling with his deliveries into the box. They looked a bit, they were consistently not good all game and it was wasting a lot of attacks as well. Like he was trying hard to create an option, but I think Lindelof probably defended him better than Shaw did because Lindelof doesn't want to push as high as Shaw was pushing in the first half. Um, Actually, surprisingly in the first half, Shaw's pace really caught me off guard when he was coming for a a counter-attack and he was racing with Beno for a ball. I was very surprised by Shaw's pace, but obviously I don't know if it was an injury or I think it was an injury rather than the yellow card that they took him off for. But then Lindelof came on, he was sat a bit deeper and it forced Ogbeno to sort of be more technical, and be, um, which he tends to struggle with when a defender sits deeper. Uh, and then again as well, McTominay did sort of change the game for them. Casemiro is a brilliant defensive midfielder, midfielder, but he's in his 30s now and he's not the most mobile he's not as mobile as he used to be so I thought McTominay got about a bit better and as you mentioned Evans dealt with um, Morris a lot better than Maguire was I think we need to persevere with Chong a bit more if I'm being honest I think if if you go back to I think it was one of Edward's coach's voices um, pieces actually where he says about how he likes his attack sort of changing the tempo where, where he slows it down and suddenly injects that pace of speed at sort of like short notice I think Chong does that and I think to an extent, I thought he, I thought he was he was good yes yesterday. I think the, the the difference now with him being very good, I think his game time is is consistency, um, getting used to the level. There's times where I think you compared to like obviously Morris and and and, and Elijah, and it's com- it's completely different and so harsh to compare because of just the, their stature. But the way they hold the ball up and they're and are able to to back into a defender, obviously Chong can't do that. Um, he can't do it right now, but who knows with perseverance, he might be able to sort of take that touch in front and and win something. But on the ball going forward, I think he's one of our most most bright. I think he just has that ability to really speed the game up. Um, and I think he's, he's just got that something that I think in a front three with Morris and Eli or Morris and Chio or, or Eli and Chio, I think he just has it. And... And even ironically, I mean, as someone that I I, I do believe in uh, being patient and creating the chances, we probably do need to take a few more shots from outside the box where there's times where I think Barkley had two or three opportunities to to, to sort of have a go. And I think Chong has that quality. We've seen against us how he has that quality to be able to pick a shot out out of nothing. Um, I think he had one against Sheffield United, but sort of just just went past the post. so I just think we just need to really give Chong some, some minutes. And I think it might be a, we start him against Liverpool, he plays 90, looks bright, doesn't really do much in terms of goals or assists, or or he might create one chance in 90 minutes, but it's experience. Then you go into um, the City Cup game, give him give him another game. It'd be the same story again, but just, just give him that time. And then suddenly you go into like your palace away or your villa at home and your forest at home and he's had those minutes he's had that experience against top defenders um 
and then I think he really can take it to it. He'll be he'll be up to the speed of the game. He'll, he'll be up physically. Um, again, he's again he's not the most physical, but I think given given the minutes and given that time in the gym, I, I think he really can gain that that strength and just that that, that ability to just hold your centre of gravity and 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 back into a defender and, and turn him. Um, so for me, if I if there's one thing I see for the rest of the season, I just really want to give Trong that time and give him give him that, that, that those games because I I really think that. If we stay up, I, I think Chong can play a big part in that. In terms of sticking with tactical changes or tactical setup, Jamie, the right back situation at the moment, obviously we've seen Orbene playing right wing back pretty much the last three, four games. Kabore's been benched obviously since coming back from AFCON, Hashioka still settling in, probably Biza stuff and mm. everything in between. Do you think Obene is probably our best option at wing back, or do you think there's times like it's a time and a place where, like Finn alluded to there, his deliveries aren't as good as a right wing back. And do we need a Kabore there to help him out or perhaps be putting Obene in better positions further up the pitch? I think it's, it's easier said than done in terms of, well, Kabore is the better defender or has has the, the, the better quality on in, in terms of crosses because he's not exactly put in the best crosses this season. I think he's done one or two. He obviously assisted Chong for the Liverpool goal and it was a brilliant ball in that moment. But it's not like he's doing an Alfie Dowry and sort of game after game, putting ball in ball, like ball after ball in the box. I think in terms of our best front three at the minute, it's more of a C-Live plus, plus one. Now is that Chong or Clark or Townsend or Brown when he's back. I think putting Chio at right wing back is just a byproduct of having so many options and, is Gio the best of that sort of list of players that I read out? I think there's an argument to say he is. I think I certainly would like to see it, but if it, I I, I think the, the the argument right now it isn't Chio or Kabore, it's Kabore or Chong, Kabore or Clark, Kabore or Townsend. That that's that's what that 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 is that dilemma because you either play Chio at right wing back. And then you get another attacking player on the pitch, like a Chong or a Clark or a Townsend, or you put Ogbené up up top, or not at all, and then you put Kabore there. Um, so I think that that's the question you have to ask yourself. It's not as easy as oh, do you do Kabore or or, or Chio? Um, so on on current form, current, I guess in terms of like current performances, we've we've played our best football with Joe at wing back Brighton 4-0 Newcastle away 4-4 okay we let in 4 but that wasn't the vault that, that, that wasn't the fault of Chio. Um so for me I I stick with it um I think Kabore's done well and I I could see him having a good career but now you're getting to the point where he's only got 12 games left of the season and he's only a lone player so it's not like you're sort of giving him minutes for our benefit next season um I would rather just start Hashi there I think if it, if it gets five or six games down the line and it's looking like, you know what, we're really struggling or you know what, we're actually not far off being safe here because Forrest have had minus six or Everton have had some more points taken away from them and you think, OK, we're almost there, then you start hashy. I think it gets to the point where Kabore probably doesn't even get minutes because of the the, the, the long-term benefit for Luton Town. Um, so for me right now, you you stay as you are. You put Chio right wing back, and then you choose from one of your other attacking options to come in alongside Carlton and, and Eli. And okay, things might change now with Eli being injured. Who knows how long that is? Do you start Corley Woodrow at Anfield? I, I I thought he was actually pretty good by the way against Man United. Um, but you probably don't. You 
probably put Morris up in the middle and then two from Chong, Clark, Townsend, Ogbené. Probably you want that strength up top and Chio's a lot stronger a lot stronger than Clark and Chong. So you probably start Ogbené up there and start Gabore. So that's that's probably that selection choice for, for Anfield. Um, but going forwards with Eli Fit, I think you need to put, put Chio on the right. In terms of keeping standouts on players that played well from Saturday, albeit the mistake for the first goal, Amari Bell, from the second he conceded that mistake, was a standout for me, as was, as usual, Sambi Lukonga. I mean, there's a lot of Twitter discourse about the pair of these players. Some say with Lukonga, he doesn't do a lot. And I was having an interesting chat with Sue yesterday, who I sit next to, and she was very much like, I don't really understand the slack that either of these players get. And I think it kind of comes back to this idea of like, we've said on this podcast multiple times, and so have you, Jamie, about this idea of the eyes test and the stats test. How influential do you think Amari Bell is in this team? And how good was his performance yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I was actually read, read a really good thread by Matt Aquino on Twitter. this. Uh, I think, I'm not sure when it was this morning or this afternoon. And actually, statistically, he's one of our better set of halves in terms of defensively uh, aerial duels winning those battles he's he really he is really strong um even compared to to a Reese Burke um and then on the ball I think he's miles better than Reese Burke in terms of uh, the, the amount of forwards runs and the take-ons that he, he almost looked a bit Ross Barkley-esque at times where he was trying to he sort of got past one one or two United players and managed to get in into their final thirds um so I think it's really harsh to say that Amari Bell's only in, in, in the side because he's left-footed. I think he's so much more than that. Um, okay, he's not your typical centre half. He's not six foot four. He's not uh, like he's he's not super big or super strong, um, but he's a lot quicker than most as well. Um, and I think again, as part of that that thread by Matt on on Twitter, um, it was like looking at your average positions of of players and. Alfie's so, so high that Amari is our most isolated centre-half, which means tactically it makes sense for opposition teams to come and go at Amari Bell because he's going to be left one-on-one a lot of times. Um, so the fact that we only conceded because of a, because of a, of a mistake by Amari Bell on the ball rather than defensively he was fairly solid. Okay, he got done on the counter a few times, but that's just a byproduct of us being so brave on the ball. Um, and that's probably something that needs looking at and be, being better in transition. And they had, yeah, they had three or four good chances on the counter. Um, but none of that was down to Murray Barrow. And in fact, I think he, he stopped a lot more than he got wrong yesterday. Um, apart from the mistake, I think from two, from two new on, he was mammoth. And again, I saw an, an, another tweet saying that Kenneth Rowe can swallow you up. Um, but at times, you just to be able to just stand up and do what he did, the, the character on the lads. Um, again, to think that it was a free transfer from Blackburn Rovers, left back coming in, Blackburn Rovers slating him, thinking, that, why, the, why the hell have you got, got Amari Bell for? He's, he's useless or he's, he's this or he's that. Um, but now he's just a solid Premier League left centre-half. Um, so, yeah, uh, for me, uh, he, he keeps his place uh, uh, until we sign a left-footed centre-half in the summer, which I think if we go down, we probably start him. He's he's our first-choice left centre-half next season. If we stay up, 
we probably try and at least find someone there for competition. But until we find someone be- better than him, he he's one of the first names on the team sheet. No, I completely agree with Jamie there. I think he's a brilliant player. I think he's very intelligent in the way he plays. Uh, obviously, as Jamie mentioned, he's not got that phys- uh, physical presence that a lot of other defenders do. You see Osho and you see Mengi really dominating their players that they're competing with in the air, but Bell manages to get himself in front of the player or will time his jump better just to beat them. That's um, just to beat them to the ball. And he also wins a lot of free kicks and fouls as well because of his stature and how intelligently he plays. He'll carry the ball and then he'll hold the ball. And he's got that body feint as well, particularly last season. He would do it a lot and he'd beat the first man or he'd beat the player pressing him. And then he gives himself space to move. And I think despite the fact that he gets a lot of criticism, I think he's a brilliant player. And I think he's been consistently one of our best players this season. Um, he gets far too much criticism, in my opinion. And I'm not sure where it comes from either. It's because, I think, as Jamie mentioned, he does get left isolated a lot because Alfie is so high. And you see Alfie sometimes takes a long time to track back, particularly from corners that haven't gone well. He takes, he does take his time getting back, and it, it leaves Bell back there on his own. And Bell is usually the one that stays back from a corner as well. He's usually the only one staying back because we commit numbers forward as well. And we haven't been done on the counter-attack from set pieces too often that I can think of. And a lot of that has probably come down to his composure and the way he brings the ball down and gets it back to Kaminsky or finds another player. So I think the criticism is unfair. You can't criticise him constantly about his performances just because he's made one mistake that could have been any player on the pitch. It just happened to come to him. And in terms of Lukonga as well, our other standout player, Finn, will sit with you. Is there any sort of chance that we can keep this man on a permanent contract. I mean, everyone talks about Ross Barkley and rightfully so. He's MVP of the season so far in a lot of people's eyes. However, there's a case to be made for Sambi Lukonga at this point. Since he's come back from injury, he's not put a foot wrong, has he? Oh, absolutely not. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, Arsenal apparently are happy for him to go in the summer. Whether we can afford him is another question. Every week, he seems to be adding more and more to his value. As you mentioned before, it's sort of the, the hidden stuff that you maybe don't see as just watching as a fan in the ground. It's the work rate he puts in. Um, the stuff that you do see that really stands out. How many times has he got back and saved us when we've been left isolated at the back? That block, as I think it was, was it Garnacho that took the shot? And he, or Bruno, whoever Bruno, it was. I think, I think it was um, Bruno who got his foot in. I don't know how he got his foot in there and managed to block it. And it pinged out for... A, throwing which Bruno was really really annoyed about he booted the ball against the Hordings that just to get back there and have the intelligence and the anticipation to get his foot in and just stop it um, and it's not the first time he's done that this season so I think his work rate is quite often drops into between the defenders when a centre half pushes forward so I mean I'd love to have him stay next season he would be absolutely particularly if we stay up we've got a chance of getting him if we stay up I think if we go down we've got no chance of getting him because he's far better than the championship and there'll be plenty of Premier League teams looking at him thinking oh he could be a pretty good option for a fairly decent value for money and he's quite young still as well uh, he got opportunities when he was at Arsenal in limited numbers when they had injuries to other players and to me it's actually quite surprising that they'd be so willing to let him go because that midfield is constantly something they're looking to change and move players around in and I think he is an absolutely quality player yeah, I think I think the Congo must have a, a love hate relationship with Ross Barkley. He must love it in terms of love playing with him and 
being that man alongside him, but he must hate him think, stop taking all this limelight. Like, I, I, I honestly think if, if we didn't have Ross Barkley and if Lukonga was alongside a, a Nakamba this season, I think Lukonga would be lauded just like Dewsbury Hall was in, in, that, in that champ season. He's been that good. Um, so I, I don't think he's, he's not been like this season. I think a lot of fans know his worth and, and know how good he's been, but understandably I've, I've been praising Barkley that bit more because of what he does going forward and is sort of is exciting going forward. Um, but Lukonga's starting to adapt to his game now. I think Lukonga's the, the more defensive of the two, um, but he's, he's starting to add that sort of um, on-ball presence to his game. Um, so I, I think if you put a poll out being would you take Lukonga next season on the permanent, I think that if that's not 100% yes, then I, I would like to meet anyone that, that, that says no. Um, as Finn says, he's still 24. Um, if we can get him for anything under 20 mil in the summer on the basis that we stay up, I think you just need to make it happen. Um, you've got assets that, that you that, that we may let go in the summer. We, we might get 40, 50 mil for, for one of the assets. Um, and if we do, then it's absolutely imperative that we, we reinvest that in someone like a Lukonga. Um, I think to buy Lukonga on the open market uh, if that was, if you were buying him from, I'm not sure where they got him from. It was someone like a Bruges or it was like a Belgian club. I think that Arsenal got him from. I think if, if if you bought him on the open market now, you're probably paying thirty four thirty forty million pound for him. Um, so the, the the only reason he'd be as cheap as twenty million or less is because Arsenal just don't want him. We just want to get rid. Um, so he he'd be way below market value, and for that, I would I would have him in a heartbeat. We're going to take a short break, but once we are back, we're going to talk all things Liverpool away. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back and we are ready to talk about all things Liverpool away on Wednesday. Sadly, Stephen and Oak Road OG is taking my ticket off me because my car Matilda is going in for a service. So all I'm going to do is sit and talk about it instead. Jamie, there's a lot of injuries in the Liverpool camp going into this game. Dissect them, discuss them with us, and are they going to have a bearing on the result? Well, the fact that I'm sat here thinking that we couldn't, could we? <laughs> we, we, we? We couldn't go to Anfield and get something. Um, I mean, look, Alisson's injured to, for, to start with. Um, so, obviously, one of the best keepers in the league. Um Kelly's looking alright. I think he's he's a decent keeper and might might become a, a good one, but he's not Allison, so that's that's a downgrade. Um, Trent 
so that's straight away a massive set piece threat taken away. Um, again, almost copy and paste with Kelleher. I think Bradley will be a very good one. He's, he's shown in, in, in the games he's played that he will be a very good player. Um, but he's not Trent. So there's not much more you can say there. Um, both Shabozlai and Jones in midfield are injured. Um, again, Vogel players with Endo and McAllister and Graven Birch, but Shabozlai and Jones have both shown that extremely talented attacking ability going forwards. Um, so they're two big, two big losses. Um, Endo is a more defensive one. Um, McAllister, World Cup winner. Um, that that bit of both. Um, who was the other one? Graven Birch. I think he's, he's shown shown good stuff, but again, he's. He's, he's not Shabozhlai. Um And then the big ones are, are up top. I mean, I think the the definite's out. Yota, uh, he's definitely out, um, it seems. Darwin Nunes is looking likely that he's out. I think he was having a scan. It was hamstring, came off at half-time, and it seems like he's likely to be out. Um, and then the second that rumours started to surf this morning that Mo Salah may be missing... Um, for, for for the visit of Luton Town to Anfield, I think oh, Luton Town, what are you doing to me? Don't yes. don't give me hope that we can go to Anfield on a Wednesday night and I can get back at three in the morning on the back of something that Luton had managed to get out of nowhere. Um, but who knows? Um, it it would be deserved, regardless of how we play or or how dominant Liverpool are against us tomorrow. We 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 deserve points or a point against a big six side and okay we did get one against them um at the Kenny and it was a last minute equaliser from from Louis Diaz um but we, we deserve to get something when we haven't deserved to get something um so maybe Wednesday night is the night you've got all eyes on Chelsea Carabao Cup final um Luton Town come come to town and they think that they can win at a canter, um, but they can't. And we we we've shown the character this season that we can dig in, we can fight for every ball. Um, where's your famous atmosphere, Anfield? Let's let's see it. I mean, to be fair, I could have answered your question straight away when you said, "Oh, could we? Could we?" Well on the pure basis of the fact that I'm now no longer going on Wednesday, there is a higher chance that we can. And so far, Finn, we've got a 100% record in Merseyside this season. Two wins at Goodison. And now all we got to do is go across the road and hope for the best again. In all seriousness, what threat do you think we're going to pose against Liverpool? Well, it's difficult to judge because of obviously those injuries Jamie's mentioned, but it is Liverpool at Anfield. They are notoriously difficult to beat at Anfield. They're notoriously difficult to get a point against at Anfield. So no matter who they've got available, they've got a wealth of talent in reserve. They're, they're a bit like the Man City's, the, the Arsenal's when they haven't got a few first-team players available, but it's okay because we've got this 30 million player who sits on the bench most weeks that can just slot in and take that place. But it's the players that are missing for them or may, def- may be missing. or could. Be- There's some massive names in there, some of their key players. Um, up front is the interesting one because 
who starts for them if Salah, Jota, Nunes are all out? So they're only Luis Diaz and Cody Gakpo. Then would Harvey Elliott start on the right? I'm not yeah. sure. Presumably yeah. would. Then in midfield, they've got no Thiago because he's made of glass. Um, they've got no Sabozla, I suppose, and no um, Curtis Jones as well. So they're left with bare bones in midfield. Um, and then in defence, Bradley's look brilliant. So I don't think many Liverpool fans will be concerned if he plays over Trent because he has looked so solid in the other games he's played. Uh, Robertson's back on the left by the looks of it most weeks. And if not, uh, Joe Gomez has been very solid there as well. So um, they have got all these injuries, but they have got a lot of depth in their team to sort of rotate it around. But it's Luton away at Liverpool. So whatever happens, they'll be... I'm not sure what the allocation is at all because it keeps changing, but it'll be a sold-out away and cheering Luton on, making more noise than probably the rest of Anfield combined. Um People say this Anfield atmosphere, but it's only usually European nights um, and big cup games that it turns up for. I spoke to a Liverpool fan in the pub um, before the game away at Everton in the FA Cup, and he was complaining about the lack of atmosphere at Anfield himself. He says he goes most weeks, um, but the tourists have taken over. The club want the money from the tourists, and that's what's killed the atmosphere there. Um, But he said the midweek games tend to have a bit more because most people people don't tend to fly over to the UK for those games. So there may be more of an atmosphere than we think, but I'm very doubtful. They'll think it's only Luton and we'll just walk over them at home. But when you look at our team, depending who plays, of course, um, I hope we go to a three up front. I think we probably will. I don't know if Woodrow will get the opportunity to start in that one. And it's all about the press for me. Pressing them in defence. I mean, they're very good at getting it out of defence, but pressing Kelleher in particular, forcing him to make a decision because he's not used to playing in that and having to make quick decisions, whereas Allison's much more composed on the ball. I think Townsend could come in for that one because his pressing is just so brilliant. He moves his arms so fast, he just doesn't seem to be moving his body at all, but uh, he does press really well. It's a real difficult one to predict, but there is, I mean, any outcome is realistic. It's the Premier League, anything can happen. And Jamie, in terms of this game, and more so than you look at the next few games after, how vital is it for this next say three four games that we get a point here is this somewhere where based off of the last two games where we thought we were going to get points to Sheffield United and then United against Man United we should have probably got points how how vital is a point here let alone three I mean obviously a point is vital right it's a bonus point so if we get a point then it's another point closer to probably the 35 or so points needed to stay up um but it's not needed uh it's it would it would be seen as a bonus point and i i think that's all you can see it as um i think the operation survival restarts next game villa at home when you got villa at home palace away bournemouth away forest at home those four are the big ones so forget Liverpool away in terms of oh we we need a point we need a three points no we just go there and for me goal difference that's just not that's just not collapse because um, you're seeing tonight Palace have just drawn to Everton they were minus sixteen we were minus thirteen let's not make that minus seventeen or minus eighteen shall we let's just try and let's just try and just not lose our heads. Um, Clearly, we're going to go there and try and win because that's that's all we know and 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 that's that's how that's how we play and how we do things. Um, but just don't 
don't lose your heads and and, and lose the game four 0 or five 0 because that that could be more damaging than than sort of going for it and and and, and yeah and, and sort of losing one 0 two 0 um so yeah we, we go there let's just enjoy it right because it's the Premier League um a game at Anfield I was there when when it was the cut replay the, the five 0 and you go there and you enjoy it. Um, so let's do that again. Let's let's get let's get behind them. Um, if we get a if we get a bonus point, then that's a, a well deserved bonus point, and we take it into Villa at home with with some really good, some some really good um, confidence. Talking of scores, Jamie, let's talk about score predictions. Then we'll start with you, keeping it nice and simple. What are you thinking the score is come Wednesday night? Yeah, again, obviously, it's head in your heart. Your heart thinks, "Oh, can you? Can you?" Because it's it's it, because of the injury issues that Liverpool have. Um, but I think my sensible head is Liverpool will obviously have too much for us, and they'll beat us. But given their injury issues, given that they've got eyes on Sunday, um, I think it will be something like, like a two 0 I think uh, I think they'll they'll get ahead, but then they they're not going to overextend themselves. They're going to play it safe. They're just they'll rock up thinking right let's get the three points for for, for the Premier League title race um, but then let's not risk anything so you probably bring off Louis Diaz and Hakbo early you bring off Verge early or Konate or, or early Robertson or Bradley for example um, so yeah I'm going to go Liverpool 2-0 Finn what are you thinking are you going the same way as Jamie or are you a bit more optimistic yeah, again, like Jamie, I'm thinking my heart says we can get something, but I think my head overrules it at this time. It's away at Anfield. It's, it's such a difficult place to go. So I'm going to say 3-1 Liverpool. But I do think if they get go two goals ahead and then in the second half, I think they'll replace... They might bring on some youngsters as well because their bench will have, have quite a few of them on. They'll want to rest first-team players so they could see a McConnell or a Bobby Clark come on. And that could give us the opportunity to sort of make an impact in the game and I can see us getting a second half goal as a result. I'm going to stick similar vibes to you, Finn. I'm only going to go 2-1 on the other hand, not quite 3-1. A little bit closer, purely on the injury front. I don't think there'll be as cutthroat up top. I think it all ultimately depends on how many minutes Mo Salah gets. If there's rumours he's out for the game, I'd be surprised if he's out. But I also... Wouldn't be completely surprised if he doesn't do a full 90. He'll probably do 50, 60 and they'll drag him. But I think, again, like you said, head overrules your heart. I'm going to go Luton 1, Liverpool 2. That is all for today, champs. I hope you've enjoyed having me hosting yours truly. Probably will be the last time because, Bill, you need your job back, let's be fair. Jamie, Finn, thank you ever so much for joining me this evening. And until next time, troops, take it steady. See you after Liverpool. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.